0: All righty, here we go with episode number 17 for the Artist of Motion podcast. Today my guest is gonna be Jason Costanza. I met him when he was running the Hambu Dojo for the Sabukan Jujutsu organization out of Monterey, California. He has a lot of experience under his belt that I didn't know before I got a chance to sit down with him today. And I hope you like what you hear. We'll hear all about it, coming up. All right, welcome to this episode of the Artist of Motion podcast. Today my guest is Jason Costanza. He holds the title of Renshi and an 8th degree black belt in Sebukan Jiu-Jitsu under Kancho Julio Toribio of the Monterey Bay Area, where he also spent five years as an Uchideshi. He remains active in the Sebukan organization today, teaching seminars around the area. He also holds a black belt in Bato Jutsu, and he worked with Don Callen with the Awakening the Warrior Project from 2008 to about 2013. Today, in addition to his sebukan jiu seminars, he also teaches the Aiki movement through personal instruction in the area. How are you today, Jason? Welcome to the show. I'm doing well. Thank you, Steve. Okay, so for those of us who may not be familiar with your lineage, I just gave them kind of the Cliff Notes version. Uh, can you expand on that for us? You know, How did you get started in the martial arts, and what are you up to?
1: First of all, Seibu Kan is broken down into three words. Sei is correct, uh, Bu is way, and Kan is house. So it's the house of the correct way or the pure way. Um, Seibu Kan Jiu-Jitsu is a Japanese martial art, and I, never, I had never heard about it. I didn't know... Uh, jujitsu and jujutsu were two different things growing up i was probably about 26 at the time i was working as an electrician um i was working with this guy jason smith who at the time i didn't know he was an uchideshi under kayla fetter sensei in the aikido world um and so he he was wearing this shirt i saw him a couple times at work wearing these shirts and they had cool designs on them, Japanese writing, so they, I took to them, I was like, what's that? Started asking questions, and he tells me, he didn't tell me too much about it, he mentioned that it was Seibu Jitsu, and it's great, and it's changed his life, and the, you know, he said it was great philosophy, and such a cool martial art, and talked about the founder, Julio Toribio, how, how athletic he was, and amazing he was when he saw him the first time, and, um, you should come check it out, and I said, you know, I was thinking Brazilian jiu-jitsu at the time, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu in my mind, I saw the UFC and I didn't have knowledge on martial arts themselves that, that, like as a whole, I had what I saw. They want what, what they wanted me to see, you know, what they, what they really wanted me to see or what the media wanted us to see as far as martial arts was. That's what I saw. So I saw cowboys in the bar (laughs) that, had minimal training, and they would give it a bad name, you know i and and so i w- I just kind of dismissed it and I said you know i'm I'm not really about fighting man i don't I, you know I see those guys in the bar and they always they're the ones that are tough guys and starting shit i don't I'm not that guy He goes, you know what you should really come check it out so he so he emphasized the fact that I was right in alignment with what he was thinking, and I was like, huh i've okay, well I went there the next day and cuz he had class and it was in Berkeley, California. And um I fell in love with it. The tumbling, the movement, just the the freedom of of being able to do something with my body that I had no connection with. You know, I was athletic growing up, so doing these new movements that were weird at the time for me was challenging and I love always love a challenge. Um and then along with that, I I realized it had such a great philosophy um, I say I was a couple months into my training and I got into a really bad car accident. I fell asleep t- at the wheel and I was driving a Bronco and I flipped it end over end and Ooh. with a twist, if it was a, if it was a dive, it would have been beautiful, you know, <laughs> but, but it was on concrete. And, and and unfortunately, um, out of that accident, I shattered my patella. I shattered my patella in five pieces. They took the biggest three and wired it together in like this little cage. It was pretty interesting. When mm-hmm. I got the x-ray for that, I was like, do they pull in their three-year-olds? To- <laughs> yeah, it doesn't blend uh, well
0: to your knee hitting the ground. Not
1: but- at all, not at all. And here I go. I think, you know what? Once once they got the wire out, I was thinking, you know, I'll just get back in jujitsu and it'll help me with my strength. Um, through that process of me being at home Injured, not being able to do what I love, not being able to work. You know, as a man, not being able to work gets to you when you can't provide. Um, So it was putting a lot of hardship on my life uh, all around, the injury was. But the thing that helped me through it was the philosophies that I was learning in the martial art, in Seibu Kan Jiu-Jitsu. And I realized there's something there that helps me that's not physical. You know, it helps, helps my mind, helps the behaviors of my mind that I didn't have control of maybe before. It just, even the awareness of that, I never had before. Nice. So just the fact that I was sneaking this new way and, 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 and seeing these things from a different perspective made me realize that I had to be in this martial art more. I had to go back for it. So at that point, I'm thinking if I just get back in, I'll be healthy. Um, I get the wire removed. It was about eight months of healing. They worked with me really cool. Kayla Fetter sensei, we were in her dojo at the time in Berkeley, she helped me with some rolling and stuff without using that leg and just kind of getting me reattached to in my mind reattached to that leg really. Nice. And so I had a lot of people around me at that time, the art was still kind of young as far as I mean, that was almost 15 years ago, or a little longer now. Um the art was so young, I the people I had around me were they're all teachers now in different places. So it was just a wonderful time for so me to be growing came up into it.
0: one of like the first core group.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I would say no, I would say I was in phase three of the first twenty-one years. Got it. Okay. Which would be the last seven years of that. But it was like the I got the refined version of my teacher. I got the refined version of the techniques of the art as far as that goes. And and I got the updated stuff because the founder is always always making sure it's right, always tweaking things a little bit, always changing things as as far as like maybe your size to their size. So I had to realize that there's a key home, but then there's the way to teach it. Mm-hmm. And I saw as a Nucadeshi, I understood the keyhone, and then I understood the way to teach it. A lot of people You start teaching them a different way than someone else teaches. Then they start questioning who's right, who's Mm -hmm. right. It gave me a chance to say, be open for the structure behind it. Mm -hmm. You know, the structure behind it is that ABC that you have to have. But then there is your structure, who you are as a human being. How tall are you? How short are you? Who are you attacking? Who's Mm -hmm. attacking you? You're going to have to change these leverage points. You know, Mm -hmm. I show you the basic leverage point, but now... I'm helping you understand what your physiology could do, mm-hmm. right? So, so being with the founder gave me that knowledge in such a cool way. So, to back it up, back to my 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 beginning, through this, through my getting back into the martial art after my injury, um, I re broke my leg again. Oh. Going, just doing a just doing an extended roll over the bag. It popped, made the loudest pop. It was an Aikido dojo. So, you know, those are almost like church.
0: Yeah, those are nicely echo chambers. Oh, man. It
1: just went, like, boom, popped. I went straight down the ground like a sack of potatoes. I knew exactly what it was. I was like, hey, you guys, call the ambulance. I know exactly what this is. It's such, It's a familiar feeling. And I immediately was broken. I was like, you know what? I probably won't be able to do this anymore. And I loved it. And it was something that tapped into my childhood because I was active as a youth. I... Tumbled a lot, I played football and used my body. Mm-hmm. So this this physical movement for me was huge and I needed that. I knew it. And I was just like, oh man, it was bum. I was bummed. So until the <laughs> I was in tears and and mad and hurt and angry until they hit me with the morphine, then I was like, oh hey.
0: <laughs> all of a sudden I forgot what all I was doing.
1: All of a sudden I'm not
0: <laughs> mad anymore. Well, I go and
1: I I I had to get a surgery there and the This time they made like a cotter pin type setup to where they put two screws through my knee and then there's cable going through the center of those screws and and attaching. So if it ever happens again, it's going to stay connected. Mm. So it's, it's much stronger now. That's good. Still had the movement issues or flexibility issues. So my goal was to just go back and get my yellow belt. Mm. That was my goal. I oh, just well
0: all this stuff happened when you hadn't even gotten through co yeah, yet? No, wow.
1: I was like if I was like probably three months into the first one. I had to sit for eight months. So I was like a white belt for almost two years. But I, I watched videos. Wow. I took the information in. I loved it. I was like sitting at home. I was sitting at home in Seiza on one side with my knees on my knees on one side. This leg, I would just slowly, every day I pull in a little more. I pull it in a little more. Pulled in a little more and then I'd stretch it out the other way and I'd just work it. And it was the philosophies. It was the excitement for me that I wanted to get back to that. And I would do my yellow belt. Well, I did my yellow belt and then I went on a weapons retreat and I met the founder. Finally, I met this guy that, uh, that Jason Smith was talking so highly about. I was like, wow, okay, here's this guy. And he was so he's, he's a Puerto Rican man. He's, he's about five foot eight he's he's you could tell he was bulky you know he's he's a little bit older now about 60 and um at the time he was you know low 50s and you could just tell the way he moved he moved like a 25 year old Mm -hmm. the way he ran upstairs is like he still had that spring in his step and it was exciting for me because Here I am about that time. I was probably like 27, 28. And I felt like you always feel like you're getting older. (laughs) You always find that person in your life. You're like, I want to be like that when I get older. When When I get 50, I want to move like that. Mm -hmm. If I could just move like that, you know, and it's like, I'll never move like him as specifically because of who he is and how he, how he is. But I'm realizing he helped me see I can move like me Mm -hmm. in that way. So this week, that weekend I spent with him. The way he worked with the child inside of me in certain instances and certain, certain things that happened, um, I had left my bag and I freaked out. And I'm like, I need to go back and get my bag. And We're 45 minutes from Big Sur. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, don't, you don't need to go get your bag. What's, what's in the bag that you need so much? And here all of a sudden I realized, that the realization came to me. I said, here I am staring at an Army Airborne Ranger, an ex-Army Airborne Ranger. And I can't tell him that I don't need anything. I have, I'm fully clothed. <laughs> I can't tell him I don't need uh, that. I need something out of that bag. So yeah. I was like, you know what? I don't need anything out of that bag. It just, it was funny for him to be asking me if anyone else. I probably wouldn't have thought twice about it and be like, well, I need my toothbrush at least. Mm-hmm. So, so he asked me, what in that <laughs> bag do you need so much? I said, you know what? I just like to have my toothbrush, but I could use my. I could use my finger for that. I'm like, I don't need it. Whatever. I'll deal with it. We're only here for an overnight one night Mm -hmm. on the camp. He's like, if you go back, you're going to miss the whole first session. And come on, just stay here. I was like, all right. So he goes, what do you need? He asked me. I said, my toothbrush would be nice. He said, hold on. He goes in the thing, in his glove compartment in his car, pulls out a toothbrush, an extra toothbrush, an extra thing that his wife had put in. Nice. He's like, well, look. Ask for it, you shall receive it, right? And he goes, you should have asked for a million bucks. (laughs) That That right there, when I went back home, it was those things that made me realize that not only did the philosophy of, of this martial art help me and help me realize a few things, him as a mentor... And how he works with people is something that I didn't have in my life. Mm. I didn't know this at the time. I just knew that I had to be with that guy. Yeah, there was, he was something cool called you there. And he was exciting. And his dojo was beautiful. And like this area, just everything clicked for me. I was like, i got to go back down there. So I drove down. And it was just one day I was talking to Jason Smith again. He was like, dude, I'm married. Dropped? Yeah, I'm married. I have kids. What are you doing? He goes, you need to go. You don't have kids, you're not married, you have no obligations. Go do this. Nice. If I was if I was sitting around like, you know, working, whatever, this you were have a good job, but dude, this is an opportunity that you can go down there and work. You can change it'll change you, man. And I because he was Uchidashi before. Nice. And um I was like, all right. Shut I up. drove down there, I got down there, it was I, I bowed to him. I went his dojo. I bowed to him. I said, "Concho." He was like, "Come up, you know. Come talk to me as a man. You don't have to bow to me like that." If, even though he is, you know, we're very, very uh, traditional. Mm-hmm. He's still like, "Come talk to me," you know. I said, "Well, I want to be uchideshi, and I I, and I honor you as my teacher, and I was just wondering if you would, if you would take me on as a student." Nice. And he said yes. And so that day, he said, "I want to see you are serious about it. So start showing up to class." He goes, and it was coming up to, I want to say we had, um, it was actually, it was July 7th, 07. So it was 7, 7, 07. And I didn't I like realize seven. this. I love sevens. <laughs> well, sevens are huge in Seibu Kan Jiu-Jitsu. Nice. There's seven levels, seven black belt levels. There's three um, concepts for each level. And through those concepts, you live those concepts each level and you just embody them and you embrace them and you become them. So I was driving back and Mr. Smith says, do you know what day it is? Cause I called him I'm like, Jay, I did it. He accepted me. I'm going to come. I'm going to live here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start. He goes, how are you going to do class? So I go, I'm going to drive from there to here until I find a place to live. So for three of those months, I drove two and a half hours from, um, Concord down to Monterey, took class on Saturdays, just stuck around, took class on Mondays and at least took two classes a week with him and mm-hmm. then went back for work for the rest of the week.
0: And nice I did and that dedication. for three
1: months. And then I, what I did is I found a place to stay f- or found a job first, found a place to stay and just kind of put all the pieces together. He ha- We spent a couple weeks together um, as far as putting the dojo together before the beginning of the year. And they introduced me as his newest Uchideshi beginning of that year. Nice. And I was off and running. And I spent time my first year with uh, a exceptional martial artist named Casey Lake. He, um, Him and his brother, he did the Japanese style stuff, and now he's in Sistema. And then his brother went the Chinese traditional way with uh, Jerry Allen Johnson. So I've been presented and, and played with some really, really cool martial artists through my through my time as Uchideshi, um, I say about my first year into my Uchideshi program, I met this woman named Dawn Callan. Dawn Callan runs, runs the Awakening the Warrior. Um, Awakening the Warrior is a program where she, she takes and she works with women that are uh, victims of domestic violence or victims of rape. It's
0: a wonderful organization.
1: Yes. And she works with them for usually about three to six months and, And um, works through their trauma emotionally a little bit and then puts them through a physical program where she teaches them martial arts, not not intricate techniques, but just strikes and ways to escape for Mm -hmm. a couple days. On the end of the second day, I would come in in a suit, a rubber suit, and I would put the women through scenarios. So I had to become this evil person, this darkness for them. For them to get over it sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'd come in and she, Don would come in the back and just say, all right, this woman has this going on. And I wouldn't look at these women. I would keep it to where here's this new man coming in. Mm -hmm. They know it's basically like you're going to the schoolyard. You got to fight at three o'clock at the, at the bike rack. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a feeling you get because I had to go through the programs to feel to, I had to go through the program, those girls, the women went through. Mm -hmm. So here, I, I just remember me as a, as a martial artist, I think I was second degree. No, I was first degree black belt at that time. But I had, like, street skills, and I they asked me not to use my J- sebu Kan Jiu-Jitsu, and I'm like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm all nervous, and here comes this big old huge mountain of a man kicking, like, stretching and kicking his legs up, and they were intimidating us is what they were yeah. doing. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. I feel like I'm going to get in a real fight. Like, this is n- cool. It's, it was a cool experience for me. So that's what I would do. I'd go in, and I would be – if it was a – a woman that had an alcoholic husband that would come home and just, you know, verbally abuse him, I'd turn the chair around and say, go get me a beer, you know, and I'd, I'd use whatever language I needed to, to get that across. And Mm -hmm. at first when I was going into it, I didn't, that wasn't me, but watching the guys watching the attack team, we call it watching them work. And then seeing what it did for these women, I mean, you'd have to peel them off of us sometimes Mm -hmm. because they you unleash something that they at the beginning, they're like, I don't want to hurt them. Well, it's like, okay, when they're done with you, they're gonna go after your I'm gonna go after your little girl. Mm -hmm. Well, all of a sudden Mama Tiger jumps out. So we they were teaching me ways how to tap into that for these women. At the end of the whole program, we're in a circle, closing circle, crying with each other, and it's amazing. It it just was sounds an amazing like an entire
0: work. empowerment project
1: oh it was amazing work so that helped me what I did is i've created through ike movement arts i've created you know different different ways to protect yourself so that's one of them is my women 's empowerment program I have a bully kids uh, kids' awareness and bully empowerment program I have a parent and children together program to where I can go in and we talk about the the newest electronics that are out there, as far as GPS devices that your kids could wear, just stuff to f- make them feel safe and aware, not scared. You know, I feel like there's too much fear-based stuff out there. If you give them empowerment, and you give, show them their power behind it, then all of a sudden they come with confidence, and it's a different way of looking at things. Yep. And you know, ch- your children won't be scared to approach a boss in a new setting. You know, mm-hmm. these are things that empowerment isn't just to protect yourself. I mean, how many people are going to get in a fight in their life? I feel like martial arts is great and it's, you know, it's, it is to protect you from other people, but it's self-defense is defense from yourself. Really true self-defense is defense from making the wrong decisions. And so this, this whole first 10 years of my martial arts experience was just opened me up for everything. And I mean, as far as, as far as the martial arts goes, um, it's changed me as a human being. Um, the reason that I even answered that to Jason Smith is because at the time I was going through an issue where I had gotten a settlement for my back. Um, I had a friend that I went to high school with and he's like, Hey, you want to invest some money with me? I'm like, sure. Right. Well, why not? So I went over and I drove to Oakland with him. He opens up his warehouse and there's this huge pot farm inside a warehouse.
0: And I'm just like, Probably not what you're expecting from an investment. Not what <laughs> I was expecting.
1: Not at all at the time. And this is this is right before I got into the martial arts because you know I was I wasn't even th- I was thinking a different way. I was I had still had that kid mentality. I still had that you know just the street mentality a lot more. So at the time I I bit on I bit the hook and mm. I invested my money that I got from my back settlement and I had a back surgery. I didn't mention that. Mm. <laughs> um through my back surgery settlement and I invested that and i started doing, started doing high scale pot and I was my direction of my life was just going in a downward spiral. Um, we had a fire in the building and he ran off with my money. So part of my motivation for even going into any type of self-defense was to do things, was to go down and, and get him i had get i had money back oh man i had <laughs> i had anger for this i would wake up i would wake up during my time when i was injured my knee was injured and i was telling you i was going through mental stuff mm-hmm. i'd wake up in the middle of the night angry at him because you know when when you blame when you don't get through blaming you don't get through the lessons you're gonna sit there and blame that person or that mm-hmm. situation or go back to that so that was my probably hold what I held on to the most. Cause because even though um, it guided me into the martial arts, once I got into it, I didn't see it. I didn't see this, this, that he was an angel for me. This man that, that, that basically ran, we have a fire. He ran with my money. Mm -hmm. Basically him being that person I wanted to get back at made me, made me change. It made me make the change to continue completely changed my life in a positive way. And um, I could say the concepts, the concepts or the philosophy of Sabukon Jiu-Jitsu um, is magical. And it starts out with, with fire. Um, the three concepts for fire are initiative, speed, and determination. And through your couple years of training as the black belt level in that art, that first degree black belt level, that's the fire. You learn how to control your fire. You learn how to, if you don't have enough, if a child doesn't have enough, they come in, they can't look you in the eye. You help them bring up their fire a little bit. So you create a balance with that person. Nice. You help them see what that balance is for them. And then you go into the water and that's acceptance, flow, and adaptability. And the acceptance of, of life, the flow of things that are happening and being able to adapt to whatever that is, it's, it's very personal, um that is the water level so you're so you're looking at this as nature i feel like and i th- i thought it was the best thing about it or i thought the best thing about it with the nature was if i stick with nature then i'm not throwing my opinion out there i'm just speaking a pure philosophy and connecting it with people so i could stand up in front of a crowd and not many people are going to challenge nature the, the, the way nature moves the way water moves I could teach a technique that's a little more ikey because we're talking about water right now. Mm-hmm. Fire is that's like Kempo. You know you're going direct boom just ending it. Bam you're going you're deci- you're decisively going through an yeah. opponent. Yeah, you know that's over. that's fire. Whoosh. and then there's earth understanding how to move structure understanding your structure. Mm-hmm. Earth is is uh Um, patience, inner strength, and commitment. Those are the three concepts for Earth. Earth is very grounded. Earth is very good in business. You know, Mm -hmm. saying, no, I want that. You know, feeling solid about your decision making. Um, Earth on a a sense is mostly going to the ground. You're going to take them to the ground. You're going to use the ground as leverage. You're going to use... You're going to move, understand how, if I can move your elbow or your wrist, that's going to affect your shoulder, which is going to affect your spine, and start to learn the leverage of the structure. So the fourth level is the wind. And the wind is, is uh, sensitivity, spi- I'm sorry, I'm sorry. flexibility, spirit, and sensitivity. Spirit is right in the middle of the 21 concepts of Seibuken Jiu-Jitsu. Nice. And spirit... Spirit is the balance of all, right? Spirit's what makes us up, what, everything that exists, everything that we've ever um, experienced, every person we've come across, people that we see walk a certain way that we think is cool, we might take that on, or we might maybe a way they laugh. We're, we're adaptive and we see things in life that we're influenced by and it makes who we are. So spirit for me was probably the most personal concept as far as like learning a little bit more about myself That level helped me let go and see that that man that got me, that I was motivated by, that stole money from me, to get me into the martial arts, he was an angel. And how many more angels are going to come into my life that I may think that are horrible in the beginning, but there's a lesson behind that. Mm -hmm. So it made me look at the potential for everyone to come into my life to enhance enhance me and not take away at all so it totally changed my concept of even the future of people coming in not just the past but i started looking at that too and i look deep because of this because of the spirit concept and i realized that my mom has been married five times okay um before her first marriage she had a boyfriend and when i was about 26 she mentioned honey you have some mannerisms, and and you remind me of this guy that I, you know, my boyfriend. And I knew the story, so I knew who she was talking about. It was my mom. And I was like, hmm, interesting. Well, at the time, I was like 26, and I had, again, I was, I'm backtracking a little bit. I hadn't got into the martial arts yet. Mm-hmm. So here I am, looking back on that moment now, going for my fourth-degree black belt, and I see Spirit was... What I need to know, I need to know who I am. And that means I need to know the answer to this. Who is my dad? You know, at the time when I was 26, I was like, I made my own man. I am who I am. I don't need a father in my life. I don't need to know the answer to that. I don't mm-hmm. even care. But when I realized I needed to know who I was, that was connected to it. The Whoever I, 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 my father was, that was connected to it. So I had to know... I had to go in, in pretty deep, and I told my mama, okay, I want to do a DNA test. So we did a DNA test with the guy that was on my birth certificate. Zero percent chance he was my father. So this other man was my father. So here I am growing up as thinking I was Italian, Spanish, Portuguese, a little German, a little something else. And I realized that I'm not Italian you know, you'd grow up and you're prideful for certain things. That blew my mind wide open. I was like, whoa, okay. Now here I am really studying who,
0: who am I. Yeah, your whole concept of identity has just now been changed. Completely. So then
1: it spawned the concept of why do I put labels on everything? Why do we put labels on, on personal um, relationships? You know, all of a sudden you're my girlfriend. Well, we own each other. You know, and and in society and in our conditioning, it, there's a certain sense of of mine that happens. Mm-hmm.
0: And American society is very much about its mine and it's what uh, you yeah, know, built well, in and most? It's, it's yours. You know,
1: who has most? And then so it it made me realize that I need to live on the concept of every human I come in contact with. I just need to be present with that human being. Don't put a label on them. I've worked and and since I got through all that. Um, I had students that would never approach me about these things. I had a, um, transgender student who I knew, you know, I knew he dressed a different way and he wore black nail polish and makeup sometimes. So I knew he was into a certain lifestyle, but I never questioned that he was there to learn martial arts and. And grow. And I, I don't care who comes through the door. Mm-hmm. I'm going to help you. I'm going to make sure that you, I'm going to help you figure out how to help yourself and not need me at all anymore. You know, that's, I feel like that's what a mentor needs to do. So here I have these people like this man approaching me, opening up, telling me that he's transgender. And I was like, you know what, man? Let's, let's make sure that is the name he wanted to be called. Let's make sure comes out a little bit wear a little do your hair up in your demo do your makeup just let's get ready to do this you know what i mean i was like who what's your biggest worry about this and he was—he was like my mom my family i said well you know that's that's up to you take it out at your pace but I think they'll be there for you. You know, I just share that with him. And he comes back to me and says, man, I told my parents, and they were like, duh, why didn't you tell us <laughs> a long time ago? We still love you no matter what. So it, all of a sudden, it wasn't this big deal for him as to where it probably kept him from doing everything he wanted to do mm-hmm. in his life. The fact that it, that he could approach me, and I knew that there's no way that I was approachable for that 10 years, five years maybe prior to that, it just helped me see as I move along the way how much martial arts has helped me and how
0: much martial arts has helped me change. And by proxy, how many, how many uh, that these people that have been learning from you have been helped the same way? Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, in in such ways. I mean, um, I have a gentleman. I, I work the night shift sometimes at, at a few different bars in the area. Now, I'm, now I, I have worked at a few different bars in the area. Now I'm just at one pub bar if you want to call it um but while i was at this place on lighthouse um a gentleman came up to me and he drove a little cart and he's in a wheelchair and he has he has no legs he's cut off he's he's um amputee from the knees up stuff you know actually above the knees he had a rare um, nerve problem that start that messed with the blood flow in his legs and he had to have his legs amputated well he comes up one day and he says you know i'm he just bummed out and he's always really nice and he always gives people things he's just a really nice person and i was like what's up what's going on man and he says you know i i need to get 10 degrees out of this leg and like 18 degrees out of this leg in order to be a candidate for um for a um what do you call it Prosthetic? prosthetics yeah for prosthetics and so I start talking to him, I'm like, listening to what he's saying. I said, you know, would you be willing to work with me? He's like, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a, I'm a healer by nature. I work with people. I've worked with many people as far as like movement and gaining flexibility. But well, I'm a martial arts teacher. So I've learned about the body from the physical standpoint. You know, I've learned quite a bit about the body though, and I think I could help you out. So he says, yeah, come over. I, so I started with no intention on making money. He started giving me like 20 bucks here and there. But I'm like, you know, I want to help you. I want to really, I want to really put this out there and, and hopefully this works, you know, hopefully this, what I do will help you. So what I saw is he was coming back and he felt, you know, like the ladies at the place, there's two ladies he was working with at the physical therapy place, They're really rough on him. So he was, you know, going in there and getting beat up and he wasn't having any like real healing time because, Mm. you know, those little muscles to get them back, you got to have equal, you got to have proactive, uh, you know, heat therapy, cold therapy, um, certain things that he wasn't getting, he wasn't getting. And it's like, you know, I understand that there's limits when it comes to, uh, medical coverage and things like that. But I also understand that there are certain things needed in your healing. So what I did is I started doing body work on him. So I started doing um, minor massage, uh, local massage to his hips, um, things like that. And I was doing breathing connection, breathing exercises. And I realized, I, said, I, would, be, I would say, you know, he didn't have any toes. He didn't have toes for like five years. Mm-hmm. That means there's, he was 65. That means for 60 years of his life he's had feet mm-hmm. so i was so his brain i'm thinking man w- do me a favor i was having him breathe in and tense everything up mm-hmm. i said breathe in and wiggle your toes and what happened was he wasn't getting circulation in the bottom of his nubs so what, ha- what i saw was when i had him wiggle his toes and breathe the end of his nubs were all mo- we're moving all around nice so i was like wait a minute. It blew it made me realize that he does have and his mind still has feet. So I need to from a therapist standpoint or from a working with his flexibility and everything I could and circulation, I had to have him move his feet, flex his calf muscles, move his ankle around. I had to have him do all the things his brain knew to do to activate all the all the muscles and the ends of his tendons and everything that was kind of tucked into his nub. Right? That's awesome. So all of a sudden, he's getting flexibility in his hips more. He's he's getting uh, blood circulation. His legs are completely looking different. I worked with him for about three months, and he they made his legs.
0: That's beautiful. I love stories like that. <laughs> that is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing.
1: Pretty amazing. Now... I don't take credit for it as far as like making it happen. I needed that shared experience with him. I needed to be the guy that talked him into going back to his physical therapist sometimes and not even really working during that session. He was about to quit sometimes. So I'd I'd listen. But what I realized that the day that we walked outside and started playing catch. What a story. We started playing catch, and all of a sudden, I saw the kid inside of him come out. And he started sharing stories that were painful ones with his dad, things like that. So all of a sudden, I was like, wait a minute. And he loved baseball, so I said, let's go play catch. He's like, all right. And I brought my mitt. I didn't tell him, but I'm like, I ran to my car, got my mitt. He's like, dude, let's, he was so excited. So we start playing catch. He starts talking about a painful experience with his dad taking his, uh, taking his, um, newspaper money for his first time, first check he ever made money on. I mean, he's going into some stories and I didn't do anything. We were just playing catch. Mm -hmm. After that, I realized after working with, with him, I realized that if we could tap into the childhood of anybody, then the true, fully painful experiences that we only look at through that 10 year old lens I can all of a sudden bring out and say, like, for instance, he shared that story with me. I said, how'd that make you feel at that time? And he told me it was horrible. Mm -hmm. I said, how does that make you feel now? Now that we're sitting here and you've had your life experience and you know who your dad is and you're able to let go of those things. How do you feel now? He was like, I would never do that to my son. I would He all of a sudden started realizing that he learned the lessons and he's a better person. And he would never repeat that. He would never do that to anyone. He was a son, if this was his son or he was a mentor mm-hmm. for her. He would never do that. And it, and I just helped him see that that is what the experience is for. And now all of a sudden he's healing from some stuff that obviously he was holding on to. Because as soon as he threw that ball, as soon as we started playing catch, it all started to unlock, it all started to unlock things. So so this opened up my, my new my new venture is my new adventure is to um, connect people with what they love, connect people through, you know, I'll teach them martial arts and teach them how to heal in certain ways. But the biggest thing is if they can tap, if I can help them find something they love, maybe they did as a child, um, then martial arts maybe wasn't the key to help them grow. Mm-hmm. But I, but through my philosophy and mixing it mixing it up with a yoga instructor mixing it up with a dance instructor or even someone who teaches painting if i can connect with them we can help this person heal in a different way because maybe life is just too much sometimes and it doesn't let you do what you did as a kid you know your parents afforded it then as to where now you got life happening you have a bunch of kids you have you have a business we have so many things that take take us I can't say take us away from what we love because some of it's what we love, but it it imbalances us. It's not the same as it was when you were a kid where you could just do something just out of pure enjoyment. Exactly. So if we can find that and, and take the pills out of it, take the prescription out of it and start to prescribe this for, for the human being, I really think that that they can get through the issues they had as a kid that they carry with them. They can get through the experiences that, that, were tough for them, the domestic violence that they may have witnessed, you know, and and show them that their experiences are their power. And it's it makes them who they are. And it's it's been a driving force for maybe they're over overachieving. You know, a lot of people are overachievers and they don't know why. Well, a lot of those bad experiences are are the reason why. So so, in my life, like in my martial arts career, I started out really physical with it, and I wanted to you know I was it was hard for me to be soft um, it was hard for me to to let go in the wind level and to be there and then to not be there. I always wanted to engage in as a physical body. Uh, I grew up throwing my body weight around in football and and was all league in that and, and when I was younger i was I was good at football um, but it was always real physical for me. You know, it's, it's just how we are as human beings, I guess, or how I was. So when I got into the Con, you know, attacking my teacher who was five foot eight, and, and, you know, probably, I probably outweighed him by a good 50 pounds. It was pretty amazing what he could do with me and the pain he could, that he made me feel and how
0: easily he could move me around. Um, it's amazing what happens mind. when you get some of those little guys. You look, yeah, I got this guy, no problem. Why am I on the ground? Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> and that's when
1: he's wearing a geese so you know he knows something. If I would just feel bad if someone tried to attack him on the street, right? Because <laughs> he's mm. so unassuming, you know. And that's that's the magic behind martial arts, though. It's is to take those those kids, those those people that that aren't great athletes, the ones that are looking at you through their hair when they come and, and they can't even even they don't even look at you they shake your hand looking at the ground you know after after you see them with their shoulders back and their head up that's way more payback than watching your your awesome athletic black belt win a bunch of trophies you know mm-hmm. that's always cool too but to see that child who walked up to you and didn't have any confidence walk away and know that, that you had something to do with that, that's that's more rewarding than any pay you can get out there.
0: That's my you know? favorite part of teaching is watching that enlightenment happen where they yeah. just start to own their own existence. My favorite part. And then that confidence happens.
1: They start having more fun with their movement. They start, oh, it's almost like a dance for them then, and then you see an enjoyment happen. I mentioned to you earlier off the air that if, if I could sit there and when a parent comes in and brings their child to me, if I can make them feel the value of martial arts, to my understanding, in a two minute span, <laughs> then I would it would just be I would be the
0: most amazing marketer ever. It's the, the worst f- elevator pitch thing in the entire planet, as far as I'm concerned.
1: It's you know? so hard. But <laughs> you as a black belt, you you with all these experiences I could see on the wall, if I said I'll give you a million bucks and You go and, but, but if I put this million dollars on the table, you have to give me all of your knowledge. You have to take away all your experiences with these wonderful people, all the black belts you've had, all the cool things that you've experienced. The person you are today has to completely go back to where you were before you started martial
0: arts. Would you take that million dollars? No, my answer would be, I'm going to let you invest your million dollars in your own training so that you can become the person that you want to be.
1: And that's what they should understand. Because, because martial arts has that effect on people. I really, mm-hmm. truly believe it. And, and you know, if you can get esoteric with it. You could talk about the magic on the higher ends of the Chinese, the Japanese martial arts. It doesn't matter what lineage you come from. There's pure magic at the top of those. Now, you could talk about martial arts. You could talk about the Catholic religion who does exorcisms. And depending on what umbrella you're you're talking under it's all the same the ways of life the 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 philosophy behind martial arts it's a way of life you take it on you walk a certain way after you get to a certain level of martial arts you respond instead of reacting to life in certain ways you think before you talk you you know, you're, you're much more cautious going out and being in situations where you know that bad things happen. Mm-hmm. You just, it completely, like, like I mentioned before, it's defense from yourself, ultimately. I grew up a little dumb kid and getting, I loved fighting. And I really, like martial arts, I never needed martial arts as far as protecting myself. But protecting myself from myself, you better believe it. And that's the ultimate, I feel like that's what I've got out of it, ultimately. Um, alongside the fact that Sebu kan um, with the philosophy that we teach, you could do it physically. I could, I could have fire movement, water movement, wind and earth movement, right? And then the higher level you go, you just blend, it all becomes one. Or you might see a piece of that in each, maybe in one technique, you might see a little bit of everything. Because they have to move out of the way fast and be the wind. And then they have to wrap up and bring you down, understand your structure and all of that. So the more you play, the more there they just all becomes one, right?
0: Okay. So uh, a lot of what you're doing today, literally it sounds like it stems directly off of your training from the Sabukon lineage. And there's not a whole lot of information out on the net. I know there's a Sabukon website, which I've looked at several times, I'm uh, just trying to get background information for this, you know. I knew we were gonna sit down and talk today, so I did some research. But even with what's on the website, there's not a whole lot of info out there. Mm. And Sebu Jiu Jitsu has its it's its own unique blend of material. So could we talk a little bit about, you know, what is it that you're teaching for um like the new people who are coming in and how do they progress through? You know, what what are the skill set development that's unique for SebuCon?
1: Okay. Well yeah, you can look up the history of the art and the makeup of what martial arts it's pulled from. And the teacher um, and, you know, all the teachers and the founder on the website. The personal, from what I see, when a student comes in, um, what we want to make sure they can do is our stretches at first. We run them through a little warm-up and just kind of get to their, to where they can feel their flexibility. And we can gauge as teachers um, how to work with them right away because some people can't do rolls. We may have to work with them through a couple sessions to do rolling. Mm-hmm rolling is a huge thing in, in falling, you know, and protection, falling in the Aiki arts. Um, it's, it starts out as just falling, but I mean, the higher level you go, it becomes part of, part of your self-defense also, you know, when you could fly through the air and be aware of what's going on in your surroundings, you could do a lot of cool things in the air. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, at first you're just like, you're holding on for dear life and you're just, ah, slapping down. But after time it gets softer mm-hmm. and it gets more, you get more understanding of how to connect with that person who's throwing you to take off the weight a little bit. And so it becomes really intricate. I mean, you know, I could go off on that tangent, but what I want to do is I want to stick to the warmups. Um, so the student goes through the warm-ups, then they enter class. Um, what I like to do as a teacher is I tend to, show them first. I don't like to take any power away from any of the students. So I won't say, go down, go down really low. And you know, I wanna say, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna show you my roles three times, different ways. I'm gonna show one toward you, away, and then side to side, maybe four different ways, all different angles. So you can see, you have any questions? They'll say, no, I could do that. We'll go for it. If they have questions, then I'm going to break it down. So what I try to do my, myself as a teacher, and I don't see this all the time, but myself as a teacher, I try to work from the PowerPoint of that person. So whatever they do know. And if not, I'm not going to take it away from them right away. So all of a sudden I'm giving, even if they don't know, they have their power in telling me they don't know. Mm-hmm. So right away I'm, I'm working with the empowerment of that person. If I feel them say anything that's doubtful or they can't do that, I'll let them do it. And then I'll ask them, let's, let's think, you just said, you can't do something. Instead of that, ask me how you can do it. Because there was many things that I've seen in this art that I thought I couldn't do either. And now I'm able to do them. Mm -hmm. It's there's basics that you learn. And when you learn the basics, you make it look cool. (laughs) And that's the thing with all martial arts. You got to learn the basics first. Once you learn the basics, you can change it up. So, so, what do basics entail for Sabukon? Basics entail there's 19 techniques for your first level, for okay. your yellow belt level. You have to learn 19 techniques. 19 techniques is quite a bit. Um, they're intricate techniques. There's there's um, there is a certain set of from sitting one, han tachi which is half sitting, so you're like on your toes but you're on your knees, and then or half standing han is half standing, and then tachi which is the rest are from standing. The basic Kihon Waza is, they are techniques, or are 19 techniques, but each technique is a, is a puzzle piece for you to learn how to work with the human body. Hmm. So the first three techniques, you're holding your hands out, you're doing an escape, you're doing a strike, so you're basically escaping and striking, and then you're doing a jiu-jitsu technique and you're doing a wrist, a, you're bending the wrist, you're doing a kota Okay. Which is a wrist turn. Mm-hmm. So in the three, first three techniques, you're learning the three basic understandings of jiu-jitsu. Escaping, understanding how to strike by being held, and, and and using that as leverage while they're still holding you, and what it does to the mind. You start to learn... A Timmy is not just a strike, but a a distraction. Mm -hmm. A distraction is not just a physical strike. A distraction could be a yell, a snap, a wave to the face. All of a sudden your mind, you know, that just off of that technique, we can go on for hours. So all of a sudden you see that that first 19 techniques, it teaches you certain leverage points, it teaches you certain pressure points that you aren't told that they're pressure points yet. They're just places that you place your hand and through time and understanding, every so so your black belt level, you're doing that kihon waza, those 19 techniques, basic techniques. You're doing those every single level until your black belt. Okay, your so first degree. You're 19
0: so, from the first level. Do you have the same 19? or Same is there more 19. On top of that?
1: Same 19 for your green belt. Same 19 for your second green belt. Same 19 for your brown belt. Same 19 for your brown belt. And that 19 techniques is so polished up by the time you do your black belt that you, you're just doing it, nice. boom, so fast and so pristine and clean and, you know, you've worked on it all those levels. So that happens. We do, we enter our knife. We enter our knife techniques. We have knife, 10 knife techniques. Um, we enter, I'm sorry, the next level, I'm getting ahead of myself. The next level, we do a, a tai taisubaki. So you're doing your tai and your kihonwaza waza now for your green belt. Tai there's 13 strikes. You're getting off the line of those different strikes. And you're, basically, you're doing an enter, taking them down certain ways, or just going right into the jiu-jitsu technique. There's different, um, there's a structure to it, but then the technique part of it, you're able to um, be, you're able to have a little freedom. So you're able to, you have to stick to certain techniques, but how you find them depends on what you want. Hmm. so you have a structure you have a final destination in the middle you get to be yourself a little bit nice so this is where the practitioner gets to have their personal spin on what they see uh, personal understanding as a teacher it's awesome because you have these people that know nothing and you see their creativity and you're like i'm teaching that technique in class today nice of course it's going to be refined and it's going to show them the how to use that but (laughs) <laughs> you know, as a teacher, if you're open, you're always gonna learn from your students. That's you're always gonna be the number one student, really. So so um the next level, now we have the Kihon of the nineteen techniques, then you have your Tai Sabaki, which is the thirteen different strikes, then we add the knife. You have ten knife techniques. So every level it progresses. Mm-hmm. You add you do those knife techniques. Then for the next level, we add boken work. Okay. Then for the next level, we add Joe, the the staff. Mm-hmm. Each level, you get the staff twi- too. You get to do your staff work um, for your brown belt and your black belt. That's mm. your final, you know, get ready. But everything else, you have work on. You've worked on your your 19 techniques all the way through, so those are polished. You've worked on your Taisubaki from the second all the way up. But your Taisubaki, the end changes as you go through. So you learn. There's seven throws and, str- and, and seven different throws and wrist turns and wrist joint locks. And each level you're added to. Hmm. So you put those in your Tai Sabaki. Well, the last black belt and brown belt level, you're able to use all of the endings now. Nice. So you're, you're, just, you're, you're forced to be like, no, stick to the jab only you know i mean like boxing when they start you in boxing Mm -hmm. don't even use your right hand i want you you want to do sparring you guys are only going to use the jab i'll lead hand jab (laughs) i'll lead hand jab and then you add then you add to it so progress it it progresses throughout the art so Mm -hmm. by the time you do a a black belt in sebu kanji jitsu sometimes people and that's the thing with with uh concho terribio he doesn't put limits on that so if you come in with your skills you could probably do you could do it you can go to japan do an uchideshi program and you could probably get it in three to six months if you just live it Mm -hmm. right if you go there you're going to go to japan you're going to live it Mm -hmm. he he did it he said you couldn't do it within six months here because you know that's just how it was at the time my thing was I, at the time, I was like, I want to go through it. Ah, I just want to run through it, but I didn't get a chance to really re- review my material. Okay, so so now reviewing the material, I'm able to see the progression of the art. Mm-hmm. I'm able to see how it reflects to now the next. You go for your second degree black belt. You have a new kihon waza now. Hmm. New nine, new. Uh, I actually I believe it is 19 techniques still. You have a new set of 19 techniques. They change. The numbers change as you go up. So the mm-hmm. next one is like 21. The fourth degree black belt is like 16. And each of those are new less. from the previous level. They're new from the okay. previous level. Once you get your first degree black belt, you go into second degree. Now there's no 10 basic knife techniques. You're just getting attacked with the knife like crazy man. And mm-hmm. you got to deal with it. Um, you start to work with the sword. And if you didn't take black belt, if you didn't do your sword art, it's going to show up. Mm -hmm. in your seibukan if you're not if you haven't worked on the sword your draw is going to be like you know you see it people that don't train so you so one thing you know i was as uchideshi he made sure i was well-rounded as far as the sword work and all that so make sure i make sure the students have that Mm -hmm. um going up going into third degree black belt you have a new kionwaza, and you work with the the uh the hambo, which is a half staff um, and then you emphasize the reversals of the knife in the fourth degree black belt level. Nice. The key hones change. You still do every level has a new Joe kata, so you do one for your first degree black belt level, second degree, third degree. There's seven Joe kata in the seibukan art, and then there's a seibukan jojutsu that the founder teaches now that Certain kata within sebucon are in that art. So if, you've, if you're proficient, if, you're, if you finish the Seibukon art, you know ha- pretty much half of the Jojutsu art. Okay. You now they just have a different, you know, they have Tai They have their
0: certain Kihon that he set up for that too. Okay. So you can become really proficient in the jo work also. So my my follow-up to that is, so uh, the term kata has different meanings for different arts, right? Yes. So like uh, Japanese karate, uh, kata might be, you know, 190 movements long. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's a floor pattern on the floor. Does that have the same meaning for what you're referring to, like joe kata? Yeah, certain kata
1: have, we do have numbered movements. Um, We do have, there are certain numbers in the movements. They all change. Um, The joe, the, the thing with the joe is, for one, it's a nobleman's weapon. You know, you have the walking stick. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's the that's the ultimate guard's weapon that you're not going to hurt somebody, but, you, but don't mess with you. You know, you don't want to mess with those guys. Um, also, too, I truly believe that any kata is stillness in motion. If you take pictures as someone's moving through their kata, if it's done right, every position, their structure is right, their alignment's right, their weapon's at the right angle... Everything's happening like
0: clockwork. Love the way you said that cuz it's I feel the exact same way even if it's empty hand. Yeah, no,
1: it doesn't matter if it's empty hand or full or whatever. There's always something else is going on on the other side. When you first learn it it's like, okay, I'm going to teach you repetition dance. It's going to look like a dance for a minute. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to teach you how how that strike doesn't look like a real strike. What's going on on the other side so you can understand it. Mm-hmm. Then you start to add that, and they're like, "Wait a minute! This isn't just me moving my body." No. All of a sudden, now when you do the kata, you can see between someone who just learned it and is, has that dance mentality to it, mm-hmm. and to someone who's seasoned and understands what the attacks are coming from behind, and it actually looks like they're fighting somebody. Right. You could just see it. You're, uh, you're just like, "Well, that was a, they. They understand." You yeah, know,
0: the nuances you, are there on top of the base movements. Yeah. Yes,
1: exactly. So not only not only does it teach the body alignment and movement well our sword work uh, the movement with no matter if it's sword work no matter if it's the joe no matter if it's boxing movement now for me it's all the same you're using your hips you have to be in, you have to be in control of your whole body and know what your pinky toes doing while you're doing other things. And that's, for me, the katas are so intricate on, no, your foot's supposed to be here and not here. Mm-hmm. Well, here makes a huge difference if you need to turn and kick as opposed to here. You know, it's like, it's, it's a way different thing. Mm-hmm. But you don't understand that because you're like, why? This I'm just moving. Well, what if, what if all the what ifs happen? <laughs> you know what I mean? You gotta be ready for that. So the kata for kata for me is, um, or well, Through my understanding, it helps the body in so many ways um, connect to your techniques, connect to just as you're moving through, you know, the moving with the weapon, that clockwork that happens, Mm -hmm. how everything's moving at once. So you're masking things. A true martial artist is going to mask certain things as they're moving they don't want you to see that they may just be holding their sword they may not even draw it but you don't see that they're untying their rope on their sword to wrap you up with it you know it's like there's certain things that the samurai are always ready for mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's certain certain things that uh you know i think in turn it helps you always be aware a little bit more aware and a little more ready for life and what happens in life
0: okay Cool deal. So uh, that moving forward now into the IKE program. Mm-hmm. So how, how does that transition look and what, where are you going to go with that? So my Aiki program, um, my biggest thing for that
1: is Aiki means harmony, means harmonious spirit in Japanese. And then I the spelling of it is I-Q-I, uh, which is I-Chi, which is, is life force. So it's kind of the I am concept and um through my through my martial arts training and working with don and and working with and- playing catch with him, that baseball catch it really opened my eyes to see that that something has to happen as far as a network where you can come in and you can um work with me as a martial arts teacher, but also I have people that I could send you to that help you understand a little bit more about your childhood. And maybe you have to go to a baseball coach and maybe help kid. Maybe I I connect with a baseball coach and they I have kids or you go there and you help kids with batting practice or pitching or something that you're, you know, about, mm-hmm. you know, you could be an, um, not a martial artist, but maybe a paint painter. And you just can't do this now in your life because you're working, you have kids, you have, You have your your structured life. Well, this is a way through any type of movement, not just martial arts movement, but any type of movement, any type of of thing that moves the spirit that I could tap into that child. It's going to help you understand more of yourself and it's going to help you open up and be excited again for life. And you're much, I feel like people are much, much easier to guide and motivate when they're excited again. Absolutely. So. Through key movement, I have a healing. I do um, healing with that too. I work with people. Um, basically, I'm a healing coach. If someone gets injured, I have worked with them over the years in in my as a teacher. So I've just kind of turned that into a small business that I'm I'm working with. And, um, Natural segue. Yeah, and I I work with I've worked with some of the physical therapists in the area and like help keep people motivated to go work with them because. All in all, when it comes down to it, if your mind is strong and you do the work, you're gonna make it happen. Mm-hmm. And for people that are injured, there's a certain thing that's taken away. You know, you you're limited. You can't do things. So there's certain things you're taken away from, and it could be debilitating. It could take you out. It can make your you could just make you so depressed. And <clears throat> to have someone there just to remind you how much work you've done in your life, but not to give up, not to give up today. Today's not the day because you have so much more to do, you know, and and make them realize that even what they're going through now, I always tell, even what you're going through now, man, let's do this. At 65, his doctor's telling them there's no, I've never seen anyone do this at your age, especially, just because of the conditioning that they have to fight through. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you did, I said, you know, you can go help people that are in your position, Once you get on your feet, literally once we get you on your feet, you can go and we can go talk to people. And with my martial arts training and teaching and your motivation, your motivation, what you've done, like you're, you're proof, man. People want to hear, they'll want to hear your story. And so, so just, you know, being guided by nature is, I believe we all are being guided by nature. And it took me a while to open up to that, but I realize now with those certain people coming into my life that I'm being guided toward the healing aspect. So on top of that, I met um, I met a woman that works uh, as a hairstylist out of Moss Landing. She works at the chop shop. And on Valentine's Day, we did a special thing for the Salinas Women's Shelter. And we had, um, there were six women. They came in, they did, their hair they had a makeup artist come in do makeup and they had a yoga instructor come in start off the day with yoga and then i came in i was the only man in the whole place and you know that's for them going through their domestic violence stuff that was pretty big Mm -hmm. deal um and i helped them go through a grounding meditation i did a little exercise where i had them look in the mirror and and talk good about themselves and a few of them handed the mirror back a few of them weren't ready for for those things and uh after the day was over, they were looking at their pictures that the ph- photographer was taking, and they couldn't believe it. They looked at the pictures and said, man, that's me. And they had their kids there with them. And just seeing that and being a part of that made me realize that movement, painting, all that stuff, there's, there's no limit to healing. And so m- this woman and I um, were in the middle of creating a nonprofit called Pure Effect, her family drills water drills water wells in the area, but with that knowledge, we want to go and connect up with people that are doing that work around the world and bring an empowerment program to that community as they're as they're working uh, to better that community in other ways. That's awesome. So uh, through her through her yoga training um, and and her certifications, she's actually starting in the process of getting now. Uh, that's what we want to do. We were creating an empowerment program. And it's based on the fact that every child that has grown up in a family, I could say every child that's grown up in a family and out of a family has been, been the victim of domestic violence in some way or another. There's not many, and I'm talking physical, verbal, um, just experiential. Domestic violence is when you don't feel comfortable in your own home. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily you getting beat up all the time, not physically, anyways. To be emotionally, just not feeling welcome. Yeah, and I mean, you think of you think of how we live here in the states. You think of how we are only a makeup of of around twenty percent of the population of the world. Only twenty percent of the population of the world has a carpeted floor and heating and a running toilet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like there's so many people around the world. We're talk. you want to talk domestic violence, they're displaced from their families. They don't even know, they don't even know who their mom, dad is anymore. They got displaced at a young age. Now they're a little warrior and they, they've been guided by, you know, there's all, or they're a slave or there's, there's, that's all going on still. So mm-hmm. the fact that there's people out there that have a certain degree of this, this happening, um, what I want to do is, when I go in and I and I help create this this abundance within these communities of knowledge and water or whatever we can bring in, I also want to create a network that connects them, that connects them, not a Facebook, but a you know a type of Facebook that's personal to these to the orphanage, mm-hmm. and personal to the women's shelters, and personal to that to where. They go and they have a connection now and they can reach out to people that have the same experience as them. They have, they can reach out to people and share their experiences and feel just sharing your story. Sometimes it makes you realize what you've been through.
0: That was the entire motivation for this podcast. Let's get (laughs) everybody's stories out there,
1: right? Give everyone's stories out there because i really feel like if we all sat down and wrote a book about our lives, we'd be millionaires because everyone wants to hear your story. Mm -hmm. That's so true. So, I mean, I, I looked on your, what I did some research. Also, I looked up the podcast and I listened to a couple of the podcasts and just, just the artist in motion concept really, really is, is a huge driving force in my life right now. And it's not just Marshall. Mm -hmm. The artist is the, is the person within. And I feel like when we could tap into that child, we could tap into the knowledge behind all of our experiences and, really let go of the pain and start looking at it from the lens of who we are today, there's no stopping us. There's no stopping us. So the artist will come out. So everyone has that artist within, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't
0: matter if it's, you know, uh, how many people do you know that they have this hobby that they never talk about because they're, for whatever reason, they don't think they're good enough at it to talk about it. And then you go check it out and this dude builds clocks that are just freaking amazing. Or this guy has, you know, three thousand portraits that he's drawn, and they should be in a gallery somewhere, and they're just not, you know, they've never shared that with anybody because they just weren't, you know, whatever, whatever they didn't have the confidence in it. Yeah. If we can just empower people to find inside themselves what really makes them unique and then share it, that's all positive energy into the world.
1: Just amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm so fortunate for you to have reached out for this. I'm, I'm really, I feel really good about it and and honored to be here. I had a blast. Thank so you very much. This is like this the longest is... conversation
0: we've ever gotten to have. So, you know, we had a couple of small ones here and there, but that was it. So, yeah. It and really fun. With martial arts, I could do it forever. Well, that was a fun conversation for the last hour plus there. I had a great chat with you, sir. Um, this is what I like to call the uh, message to the world segment. So we have now been heard in over 26 countries in the world, which is a phenomenal audience considering this podcast has only had, you know, a few episodes at this point. So knowing that you're going to be talking to the entire world, what message would you like to send out? I would say tap into that child within
1: you, understand what you love and make sure that you're at least incorporating that in your life or doing it for a living is the best thing you can do. Because once you find what you can love, you can you can make anything, anything becomes possible. You have no limits. I really believe that, um, you know, that child is what pains us and what keeps us down, what keeps us uh, behaving uh, behaving certain ways. And I really think that um, if you can understand that, you really truly can tap into your power. Um, so I say find what you love because it's always connected to the child inside of you. And that's a child that needs love still to this day, that didn't get enough, that didn't get, maybe got abandoned, maybe uh was just never loved enough but the fact that you can tap into that child and love yourself and make everything okay from this standpoint on um i really believe that that that's the key to the true healing and and creating true balance in your life
0: beautiful okay so the last part is the hashtag plug your stuff part so uh, if people want to get a hold of you to ask questions or find out more about what you're doing, you know, what's you, the best way for them to get, you can of
1: you? reach my per I'll take personal emails at IQ. move at gmail.com. It's I-key, I key. I key movement, uh, is my art that I'm teaching. I key move at gmail.com is my email address. Um, you could also find me on Facebook. I'm under my name, Jason Costanza. I'm in the Monterey area. Um, Also, um you can also check on check on Sebukan Jiu Jitsu. Check on the founder is teaching out of Japan, an Uchideshi program. So you can go live in with him in Japan. Um, it's quite the experience. I I divert all my students that way at some point in their career of martial arts. Uh they need to experience that. And it was a it was the true experience that changed my life. Um hula turbio is is a special human being on this planet and he's he's taught me how to be that also
0: (laughs) that's beautiful all right well once again been my honor to have you on the show thank you so much for making the time out today uh looking forward to seeing where you go in the future thank you steve thank you so much
1: for what you do and your dedication to the martial arts not about me (laughs)
0: whatever (laughs) all right i'm gonna sign off now all right thank you Yet another great conversation here at the Artist of Motion podcast. So, uh, I had a lot of fun talking with Jason Costanza. I uh, learned a whole lot of stuff about him that I didn't know before. I think the the IQ movement that he started and his positivity training that he's working with people is a great thing for this entire world. The more people we can get like that, the better we are all together. So, uh, again, for episode number 18, we're going to have a whole bunch of stuff in the works. Trying to figure out exactly which guest that's going to be, and uh, we'll figure it out. It's going to be another surprise. So, Uh, Coming up, we got a whole bunch of people set to record, and we'll just see which ones we get done first. Find us on iTunes, artistofmotion.com slash iTunes. You can find us on Google Play, motion.com slash Google Play. That's all for this week. Steve Zalazowski for the Artist of Motion podcast.